One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colson Smith and as always I am joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Ben Powell. <laughs> the Sofa Cinema Club <laughs> is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now it is all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we set a film for the other to watch and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated and rated about the film. Now the beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought. This week's film has been chosen by Ben for me and Jack and you guys at home and it is The Night of the Hunter. But before we get into talking all things The Night of the Hunter, as always, how has your week been? What have you been up to? I think it's Colson first, isn't it? Come on, you're in medieval England it looks like there. What are you up to? I am at... A wellness resort in Portugal. Ooh, cling film wrap. What's that, cling film wrap? <laughs> you know when they wrap you up in cling film after you've had a massage in mud and they leave you on the bed? You've been to some fucked up places, <laughs> yeah. haven't you? I'm Straight up. <laughs> I've not seen that on the menu here. We've only got hot and cold spa and a few pools. That's all we've got going on. Ooh, wellness resort sounds nice. It is nice. It's um, it's a lot nicer than I was expecting. So what's the occasion? You just took yourself off to Portugal for a couple of days? So as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm learning to swim for a top secret reason that one day will all be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> just to make my life sound yeah, so much more exciting. Like you're fucking going to be the new 007. <laughs> I can't tell you why, but it's gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm the new fucking 007. I'm going to have to swim. I've told you about when I was, I don't know if I'm, I don't, might not have mentioned this on the podcast, but when I was like 10, I had um, a load of auditions with Sky um, to play one of the Lost Boys in um, Neverland, the movie. And um, the part was mine, but I couldn't swim. And the the Lost Boys had to swim in the river in Dublin. That's where it was filmed in. And as kids, we had to get in there. So I had to have swimming lessons with Sky. And um, yeah, still couldn't swim. Didn't get the part. <laughs> oh. oh, and now look at you. Michael Phelps. <laughs> I am like a fish. Duncan Goodyear. I must have had probably four hours of lessons in Manchester, and now I've taken it. I've taken the front crawl all the way to Portugal, and yeah, I'm loving it. But I'm just, I'm just, um, just chilling out, Jack. Um, nice hike today. Um, nice run this morning. 
bit of time in the pool. I, I only really swim at like in, in 20 minute slots anyway, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah. I find it it's quite hard. Sprint swimming, sprint swimming. You don't want to overdo it. <laughs> is it busy? Anyone there on your own? It's like the resort is a bit like White Lotus. That's what oh, that's what it feels like. Mint. Yeah. And obviously the three of us aren't really resorty holiday type of people, are we? We're more like get up and go. So this is <laughs> I'm fucking not. You're not Shepherd's actually. Not. To be fair, Shepherd's you're not. Get up and go. Shepherd is sit down with some show a shogun book. The shogun. <laughs> read it. Burn yourself with a Mazola. <laughs> they look at me weird because obviously I leave the resort like eight times a day. And they're like, what do you mean you're leaving? And I'm like, well, I'm going for a run, then I'm going for a hike, then I'm going for dinner in town. And they're like, we've got six restaurants here. Perfect. I'm trying to think what else I've been up to in my, um, in my life in England before, um, before I vacated. Cause I'm sure it, it's been busy. It has been full on. Obviously, Jack was in London last week. Oh, I've got a story. I've got a story. Here we go. Here we go. Right. Okay. So. We went to Madame Tussauds, the um, museum, and the waxworks. Did you Did you see us? Were we there? No, uh, we weren't. No there. Sofa Cinema Club? No, no, we, we didn't make One it. day, maybe. One day. One day. One day. Yeah. Well, we're looking around, me and the girlfriend, and um, we go into like a serial killer bit. Oh, I know. Very good. The basement. Yeah. Yes. Right. My favourite bit. So you go down some stairs, and it's all going back to like, you know, 1700s, blah, 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 Jack the Ripper and all that. So I'm like, oh, this is good, Hannah. It's all dark. And there's a waxwork model, like, on the stairs, sort of, like, dressed up like old Victorian England. Yeah? That's what he's sort of, like, dressed as. So Hanny goes over <laughs> to have a look at him, and she puts her face in his face. And it's a fucking person. It's a guy dressed up. Right. All he does, it's so, so tiny. He literally just goes, just like that in her face. Yeah, shut herself. Just, just looks, looks in her eyes and just breathes in. That's all he has to do. Tiny. Well, her ass fell out. My head is gone. I'm absolutely pissing myself. I'm saying it's brilliant. She's screaming, right? And cursing and everything at him. And I'm going, brilliant. Brilliant. Well done. I thought of you, Ben, in Dungeon. Yeah, in London, London Dungeon. dungeon. He, that, that's probably his best job. And you yeah. need the reaction like that. You, you want do. it. You do. And I, I saw him, I, I saw, and he came down the stairs and he went, best one today, that. Yeah, Absolutely. I'll tell you what, he'll be buzzing. Shut herself. <laughs> he was, uh, Shut herself. <laughs> he went, honestly, best one today. I went, <laughs> I went it's brilliant because he, you don't have to do anything. And he went, he went, dude, she did all the work. She's put her face in my face. I don't have to do anything. You don't get that every every day. Every it's day a tapping. It's an it's absolute. A ta- it's, it's, it's a, a tapping. Madame Two Swords tapping. <laughs> was he? Tapping. What was he dressed as? He's dressed as like old Victorian London. He's got pla- <laughs> plague. Great. plague. He's got like he's got like plague scars all over his face. Oh God! Oh yeah, he's the real McCoy. He's brilliant, and he said it's brilliant, and it? it's absolutely brilliant. I went, well done, mate. Well done. He went, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You, you've made my day. Thank you. He's obviously got his spot. Every 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 one of those I remember at the at the dungeons cutting people's. There's always a spot. It gets a bit darker. People have got used to it. They're kind of looking at things. 
he's on a staircase and he's he's in the shadows and because you're leaving one area and coming into another it gets you straight away and you think oh what's this boo whoever that is well done well done well i approve of that well done that's an absolute baller i love it Brilliant. <laughs> when we left you last week, Jack, you were going to watch Hamilton. Yes. That night, weren't you? Yeah. How was it? Very good. You've not seen it, have you? No. I think you'll really like it. Have you seen okay. Jesus Christ Superstar? No. Have you seen Les Mis? No. <laughs> oh my God. Called yourself a musical. I know. So it it's about the American presidents and it's like a rappy style musical, yeah? Yeah, so it's all about the sort of foundations of America coming together and everything. They're kicking out the Brits and they're getting their independence. So you've got characters like George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, um, his wife, the guy who kills him in the end. I'm not spoiling anything because it tells you that in the opening scene. <laughs> He has spoiled it and covered himself. He shut it there. He's no, I am, I am, I am, I am. Um, So, yeah, it is really good. And the music is sort of like up-to-date, modern. Um, it's all rappy and it's good. And I usually don't even like that music, but it is it is good. As musicals go, where would you rate it? I'd put it up there, you know. I'd put it in the nines. I think um, all the, yeah, i put all the actors are really good. The story's great and the story's true, which always helps. Better than Phantom. Uh, I don't know about better than Phantom. <laughs> See, it's it's on Disney Plus to watch. I think they've taken it off. Okay, good because I've I tried really hard. They put it on in lockdown, didn't yeah, they? And I tried did. really hard not to watch it because that's not the way to watch it the first time up, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I was the same. I didn't watch it in lockdown for that reason, and uh, I'm glad I waited actually for the real McCoy. And uh, yeah, if you're in London. Or Broadway, go check it out. It's on the list and I've got a lot of time to be spent in London over the summer months, so it, I will make sure that I'll make sure that I go and watch it. Ben, what have you got to share with the group? Yeah, it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> show and tell. Yeah, show and tell. And what, and what have you been up to this week, Ben? I feel like I've had a few people have shared their animal encounter another animal encounter. My animal encounter is always uh, centre around Star. She's the lead protagonist, though, isn't she? She is. She's, she's yeah. the lead in my film. She's the lead in my life. <laughs> um, and I love her. But um, so, this time, you remember we did, um, what was the horror movie you picked, Jack? Blair Witch. Uh, Blair Witch. Right. You remember those noises in the Blair Witch? Mm. Yes. Right. So, next door to our house is a wood. Those noises are all, all night. Everyone's gone to bed, and I've got to put Star to bed. And Star goes for a wee-wee in the garden. That's what she does. Now, I let her out, and she doesn't go for a piss. She bolts. She hears something in the wood or smells something. <laughs> full, full jump over the wall. Do-do-do-do. Gone. <laughs> gone. Into darkness. Into mist. Gone. <laughs> Fucking gone. And then I hear this. <laughs> and literally, I just went, oh, no. Oh, shit. And then I just very lightly went, star, fucking no way. No way is she coming back. Everyone's in bed. It's half 11. I'm on my own. My wife's bought this torch. You know those torches you buy 
and they go, it's a million, it's a million floodlights. Yeah. <laughs> they're not, it's just not, it's not a fucking torch, is it? It's like one billion fucking lumens. So I get the fucking torch and I haven't switched it on. I fucking switch it on and it lights it up like a police helicopter. It is absolutely like, it's like seen from the twilight zone. Every fucker thinks someone's burgled someone's house. Like, like E.T. when the yeah, UFO takes the land. It was close encounters. Him from down the road got, got a blue UFO in his garden. He's, fu- he's fucking put that torch on again. What happened to that Ben from Bottom at Road? He went up. He went up in this bolt of light. It was so bright. I couldn't put it on all the time because I could see yeah. through the wood, through to everyone else's house. She's not there. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Everyone asleep. And then I think, right, I'm going to have to just open the gates, open the door, sit, make myself a cup of tea and wait. So I'm waiting, da-da-da, waiting. Lights are off. Da-da-da, star. Occasionally star. But then I'm like, look like a dickhead. <laughs> Got my robe on saying star. Walking around at fucking quarter twelve at night. Like, like, like a fucking hell. Like a complete bell end. Star, star. She's not interested. Whatever she's gone for, she's off. Then, so bear in mind, there's no lights in the street. It's dark. My next door neighbour's lights start to go on. All of their lights go on. Every one of their lights in their house. Bing, 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 bing on. I'm like, oh no. And then I'm like, well, maybe they've just got up. Maybe something's happened in the house. At 2am. Yeah, it's 12. (laughs) It's 12. And I hear the... Ben! I'm like, oh no, <laughs> there's Star in my next door neighbour's arms, looking at me like, yeah, I've had a fucking great time. <laughs> I've been out, I took myself for a walk. She's taken herself for a walk, she's had a hunt. She's gone into my next door neighbour's house. She's got in somehow. She's tapped on their bedroom door. She's oh working them God. up. Oh my God. You would shit it. You would shit it. You would absolutely shit it. You'd think it was a wolf. You'd think it's a wolf or something, wouldn't you? There's, there's fucking something at the door. Fucking there's bedroom. something scraping at the bedroom door. It, it's a ghost. Open the door. It's a bloody Parsons Russell. It's a ghost. Piss. Open the door. Piss off. I'm not opening the door. Can you imagine? Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's called us. She was like, oh, no, don't worry. She just knocked on the door. She can come anytime, <laughs> just not midnight. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And then I took her in, and I have to sort of pretend to tell her off. I went, oh, that's naughty, but I wasn't that bad. I was like, it's a bit naughty, but I was like, why did you knock? I was talking to her like a human. Yeah. Why did you go and knock on the door, on the bedroom door? She just sits there wagging tail. Right, loving it, loving it. We're up. It's 12 o'clock. We're up now. I'm having a great time, Ben. So that was my animal encounter. One day on the Instagram, producer Henry will put, I'll put a picture of Star so everyone can see. Mm. As I mentioned, I'm in Portugal. And as soon as we got on the Zoom with the lads and we were getting our setup ready, I realised that instead of bringing my laptop charger, I brought my iPhone charger in my laptop charger. So 
we're, we're on what we would call a Sofa Cinema Club timescale today. So if this episode makes it out on Thursday, everything's gone incredibly well. How much you got left now? You've got to do a running commentary of what you got left. Okay, we're at 55. <laughs> Oof, that's gone 15's gone down very quickly. Let's get onto the synopsis very quick, yeah? <laughs> yeah, should we, should we get into the film? Yeah, I'll keep it really simple. Night of the Hunter, 1955. Uh, William Harper, you open up William Harper's stolen some money... Uh, from a bank, he uh, has gone back to his house. He's got to hide the money for the cops get him. He hides the money. He hides it. You don't know where he does. He goes to prison. They catch him in prison. He shares a cell with um, Harry Powell, Robert Mitchum. He starts talking in his sleep. Uh, and while he's talking in his sleep, he's basically saying that the money, which wasn't retrieved in this robbery, he's hidden. Harry Powell hears this. William Harper gets executed and basically leaves a wife and two children and $10,000 in their hands. Harry Powell gets released from prison and goes to hunt them down to hunt for the money. So, before we get into talking about it, what was your setup? How did you watch it? Because we weren't together this time around. No, I watched it last night on my Todd. I watched it on the TV upstairs in the room. Oh, the the tiny tiny screen. Oh God, so you went back. You went back like it's nineteen fifty five. I did, yeah. Colson, how did you on the plane? You were the perfect runtime. You yeah. said it's the perfect runtime for the flight, and literally, I got it on the iPad, pressed play, and by the time it finished, they told us that we were going to land in twenty minutes. Perfect, perfect. Um, I was at home, and actually, amazingly. My daughter watched it with me. Ah, interesting. Wow. She started off, of course, black and white, and she's like, well, I'll sit with you, Dad, and I'll have a look. She wouldn't stay for millions, that's for certain. Mm. She, do you know what? She got into it, and she said, oh, this isn't too bad, and then got into the story and like was quite into it by the end. So that's that was my watching. So... $10,000 in 1955, what we're talking. $98,000 now. 98K, so 100K. Yeah, so I think it's more the fact it's not huge money, but to them it was. And and it's cash, so it's like, it's there to be disposed. Cash is king. So, <laughs> <laughs> great catchphrase. The film starts off with um, kids finding a, a dead woman, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And... This woman, we don't quite know, but we believe to have been murdered by the preacher, don't we? Yeah. Because this preacher is kind of driving along as if he's driving to the scene of the crime, talking to God in his car saying, what's it going to be this time? I hope it's another widow who's got built. And you kind of get there that it's really weird because this is a religious character yeah. who clearly has found a way of, you know, justifying his killing through God. Mm. Whereas you would normally see this of someone justifying their killing through Satan, wouldn't you? So it's kind of the flip of this is someone who in society is in a role of responsibility and he is murdering women because he doesn't like women. I think it's the ultimate, it's almost the ultimate sin, isn't it? Yeah. You're pretending to be a preacher, you're getting into everyone's lives and then you're killing them. Yeah, he, he dresses himself up as gooder than God, you know, and he is the lowest of the earth. Lowest of the earth? Lowest lowest of the lot. Whatever. Whatever saying, we'll go with it. So he only goes to prison for 
driving, doesn't he? Yeah, stealing the car. So that's why he obviously serves like a 10-day sentence. I think he serves a month. He knows he's going to get out and he just happens to be in that cell with the other guy who's obviously a bit more of a kind of... He obviously needs the money. He obviously wanted to feed his family. Did the robbery and then hid the money. He's literally in one scene, isn't he? So we don't we don't know if he's a career criminal. All we kind of see him is is a dad who's stolen ten grand, gives it to his kids, and then goes down. You know, goes down without a fight because he knows that his kids are going to be looked after. When he hands, when he gets back to the house, he says, "We've not got long. I need to hide this money. Where should I hide it?" And then he goes, "No, I can't put it there. They'll dig. Can't put it there. Can't put it there." Where would you hide your money, Colson? Where would you hide your money? You, you, right, you've come into the flat. Jack, you've got time to think. You've come into the flat. Mm. You're at your wellness resort, Colson. They're coming to get you before all that money even bezzled. Where are you hiding it? You haven't got long. Think. Pillow. Cap. I used to hide cash in my glove box, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs> no one will look there. Very good. One thing I would have always thought about that hiding money, you either have to have an amazing hiding place. Or a safe. No, because they know Is it's a safe in the cheating. Safe. Well, they know it's in the safe, don't I they? I tell you, I tell you, I've just remembered we moved out of a flat in London and we took the fridge and there was a false wall behind the fridge and they'd hidden stuff in this false wall. They'd hidden passports. Mm, that's yeah, crazy. It was a proper thing. I was like, crikey, you've got to go some. It wasn't an easy fridge to pull out either. And we pulled out the fridge because we moved out. Everything had to come out. And there was this little thing with these passports in it. See, I'm doing something like that with the house that I'm renovating. Not like I have anything to hide, but just... Don't tell anyone just, on this. Just because, Yeah, but no one's going to find it. It's going to be that uh, well hidden. Well, he comes up with a good one because he hides it in plain sight, doesn't he? Yeah, and in a possession that the kid's always going to have. Yeah, and it moves. Yeah, very good. So where where would you hide something, Jack? Spare wheel of your car. That's, that's yeah. not about you. Car, your cars are. You, see, I think it'd be car, but it's got to be. If it's got to be within the four walls of where you live, <laughs> your wallet. No one will look there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's hard, isn't it's it? Good, it's hard. You see, you haven't got very long. Ben, we could put it in the kettle. Something that we never we never use the kettle, do we? Bang it or the soup maker. The soup maker. That's a plate. It's in the suit maker. We've got 100 grand in the suit maker. <laughs> no don't, one's looking there. Don't make that mulligatawny. You'll ruin it. Oh, freezer. That's good. At the back freezer, of the freezer. Freezer. Very good. In with the fish fingers. Yeah. It's not your first road yet. You take the fish fingers out and put the money in the box. <laughs> That's good. And then you pad it back over with some old fish fingers. That That That's is good. very, that That's very, good. very good. Do you know what? That's better than the suit maker. And you've only managed to hide 300 quid. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all fish fingers. You get your money, but you don't want to spend it because it smells of fish fingers. <laughs> it smells of fish. <laughs> Can I pay in cash? No, you fucking <laughs> get that away from me but cash is king get it away so what have you been done to this it's stick you know when they do that pen yeah, to check it's yeah. real cash what have you done to this you, you say to him don't lick your fingers don't lick your fingers to count the money trust me I'm telling you there's nothing fishy about me paying in cash nothing fishy at all fish fingers fish finger money so we hide it then the coppers get in and he's down and he's out, he's out, he's in prison. Right, 
when I watched this scene, I thought, "Ghoul, this could be a long, this could be a long watch." This because the kid isn't very good in that scene, is he? No, neither of them are. No, they're not. He gets better as the film goes the on. The kid gets good. I think the young lad gets really, really good. But in that scene, I was like, "Oh, she ain't got a clue." That other girl. Well, interestingly, Jack, I read up on who's the director, Ben. Uh, Charles Lawton. He didn't get along with the little girl. <laughs> oh, really? He used outtakes, I think. He used outtakes because she wouldn't do anything and then used those. I, th- I think you're right. I don't think. Having said that, I think it's a huge, it's a huge fucking reaction. There's your dad. He's, he's, he's bowled up, hide the money, and now he's going to get arrested by all these police. And actually, he only filmed it in like 30 days. Mm. without going one two skip a few ben was the shitness of him in the first scene anything to do with the last scene or was that just coincidence what do you mean the shitness well it's the same scene isn't yeah, it? yeah it's the same scene yeah was it because he reacts exactly the same in both scenes? oh yeah because it's all coming back in it's same memory yeah yeah but but it, it so he's not they've not basically made him do absolutely nothing for a reason. I think he was probably just a bit shit. I think he was. I think it's just a massive scene for a kid to do. Um, and he does get better, like what Jack says. I think he does actually. He gets very good when it's clear he's going to get chased and killed. He's very good because he's obviously thinking, "I'm going to get chased and killed." Because obviously Robert Mitchum is probably not very nice to him. It, it's interesting because it, it, work, it works for the film. When there's no adults around, he seems really relaxed. When yeah. he's in scenes with Robert Mitchum, he, yeah. he, he, he isn't. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that his kind of personal experiences as a child actor have probably forged a way to us watching and going, do you know what? He's actually believable in that. Yeah, he's crapping himself. After the dad's gone to prison, blah, 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 obviously, they're sharing cells and he gets he gets hung to death. As Ben said in his synopsis, he's been talking in his sleep and the preacher has been trying to work out what he's been talking about. And over the nights, he's kind of got a little bit of a plan in his head and he knows he's in for robbery and he knows they never found the cash and he knows that his son will lead him to the cash. So he kind of takes it upon himself to infiltrate his way into the family. Well, Robert Mitchum's got that, what he plays so brilliantly, he's kind of crazed, isn't he? He can be very aggressive and then a bit crazy and a bit comical. Because when he's always trying to get the, 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 you know, where's the money hidden and then he goes to, he's going to the family, he becomes a real charmer, doesn't he? He's got love and hate on his hands. And he explains to the preacher there's nothing to worry about. And that's what I've always loved about him. his portrayal is he sort of surfs this humour, but then he looks a bit, he looks mad, crazy. And then he's completely, he's completely ruthless. So he has all of these things going on all the time. And then the wife who's lost her husband is looking for someone, isn't she? She's looking for almost salvation. And because he doesn't just infiltrate the family, he infiltrates the entire community, doesn't he? Which you feel he probably does all the time. I know he probably does all the time, doesn't he? That's his thing. Well, I imagine they were a pillar of society, weren't they? Like, yeah. back then, so people were really religious. It seems to be like in the South or something like that, doesn't it? And that was that seemed to mean everything, didn't it? And I don't think they even they even would question him. 
No. It's only the old woman who gets it. She knows he's he's not a preacher. Spoon's ice cream parlour, they literally think he is the greatest person ever. How are they in business? There's no one ever in there. Well, it's only same four people in there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and she's never working. She comes in, does a bit, goes, oh, I must go off. And then the old woman goes, oh, I know he's dead. I know we're hanging, but maybe you should get with him. Like, it's like a couple of weeks later. It doesn't even feel like a couple of weeks, does it? It's almost instant. Like and next day. Yeah. Yeah. So he marries her, doesn't he? He marries her and marries her quickly. And on the honeymoon, she thinks, this is it. I've met a nice guy. And so you would, you know, the kids know. The kids know straight away that there is something not quite right, or at least the lad does. Because he asks him for the money, doesn't he, straight yeah. away? straight away. He's not pissing about it. <laughs> no, he's not going to give up any... I mean, that's the thing about him that reminds me of that. I think they did base... the. It's from a book, and I think they did base it on a killer and that psychotic nature of being driven to, I don't want to waste any time. I'm going to get into the kids, tell me where the money is, and if you don't, then eventually... I'll swamp you, I'll swamp your life and you'll have to tell me because you'll have no, you won't have any choices. And that's what's quite frightening. And he picks the the daughter up straight away, doesn't he? Holds her in his hands and it's all, he's all, she's always got the doll with him. That's what's very clever about the film. She's always got the money's in the doll. So as soon as they get married, there's this scene on a honeymoon where the mum kind of goes to get close with him and he refuses her for sex and basically... There's a bit in him there where you realise really how much he doesn't value women. And it kind of is the first time that he lets his guard slip around her and you get the impression straight away that this is not this is not gonna end well. And within a few weeks of being married, he's killed her, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird when he kills her. So they're in the bedroom, aren't they? Yeah. And he sort of pulls the knife out and raises it above the bed. And she almost just sort of, like, closes her eyes and, like, accepts it. It's a sacrifice. It's a, what, what, I, I think you're right, Jack. I think this film has a lot of... It has moments in it that are very stylized, And she, he's been threatening the children. So the son says, look, he's threatening me. The mum says, don't make anything up. Then she goes back to the house, doesn't she? And she hears the preacher threatening the son. Well, as well, we've seen the mum kind of fall in the preacher's trap and kind of start preaching herself about how wrong she is. So it's clear that she's completely brainwashed. So she's mesmerised. And even when he's threatening the kid, she's mesmerised. She gets that glazed look in her eye. So then she lies on the bed, a bit like a painting, like some of these frames are very much like old paintings, like she's about to sacrifice herself. And I think you're right. The way he lights it, and the way it's framed, it's framed flat on, isn't it? He doesn't really move it. He keeps it like a painting. He lifts up the dagger and then it cuts. And I remember the first time I saw that thinking, he can't, he hasn't killed her, has he? And then she's at bottom at lake, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the next thing, and then you hear the car go off. He drives her in the car, puts a rope round her, then there's that really famous shot of her drowned in the lake. I mean, it's 1955, this. He's just killed the mum. You get the impression that he is a 
quite confident and quite complex criminal, don't you? You know, he knows what he's doing. Well, straight away, the level of evil, Colson, to kill a mum of two children for $10,000 is right up there. And then the genius in the way that he covered it up and made it almost a faultless plan. How does he cover it up? He's just slit her throat and put her at bottom of the lake. But he sets the car off. The kid hears the car and he says that she drove off in the middle of the night. What, and then tied her hands to the steering wheel and somehow slit her yeah, throat? Yeah, but they don't find her. No, they never find her. But that fishing boy, that old fishing boy does. Alcoholic uncle finds her and he's fucked for the rest of the film. Yeah, because he thinks it's going to get blamed on him. <laughs> on him, but, yeah. But then he does a sort of really weird thing where he's crying about her going and dying and you, you don't believe him. And it's almost like he's taking the piss out of them. You're so mesmerised by the fact I'm a preacher that you'll never believe it was me who killed her. And he's sort of making fun of them, I always think. He's sort of looking at, oh, she's run away, she's gone. And you're like, God, he's evil. That's a bit of how the audience can see through him quite clearly, but nobody in the film can it's kind of to paint the picture of how good he is at kind of living this double life isn't it I guess and how much they want to believe it and the only people who don't believe it are the kids because he threatens them straight away so he gets the kids on his own and he says I'm going to be your dad now that's what he says basically to the entire community and then he says straight away over dinner you don't eat unless you tell me where the money is the lad says okay the money's in the basement it's under a concrete slab he goes down to the basement and it's clear that he's lied and it looks like then he's going to start to almost torture the kid. And that's a famous shot as well. If you notice, whenever it gets dangerous or nasty, it's, it's about to end up in death. He frames it very purposefully, like him coming down the stairs. It's all dark and he frames it very much like you're going to witness a murder, like the, mur- the mum got murdered. Now he's going to kill the children. If he gets the money, he'll kill the children. And somehow the kids manage to get away, don't they? That shell falls on his head, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the greatest escape plan, is it? Shell falls on his head, then he does that kind of half khaki run up the yeah, stairs. Yeah, where, where it's quite clear that he would have caught them quite easily. That's like, he could almost touch the kids, but it was like, I can't do that because it's not in the script. Yeah, and then the 1955 stunt fingers trapped in door, and he goes, ah! And then rolls back down. Yeah, there's a lot of that bit that was a bit eggy. Yeah, it was a bit eggy, yeah, yeah. So the kids take off in a boat, don't they? And they kind of sail upriver, downriver, we don't know. Looks like a studio, that, doesn't it? That's a complete studio. I think there was a reason... The light, maybe. The light. So he was obsessed by the DOP. He was obsessed by lighting. And also, when they're on the river... And then he's coming to, he, he goes to get them, doesn't he? He goes to try and find them. And you see him on a horse. Yeah, I read this. Great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you see him on a horse and you see him backlit. The only way they're going to be able to do that is in a studio. It gives it a theatre perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you notice how he plays with that, like Mitchum's character will be far away and you think, oh, you're safe. And then suddenly he starts whistling and he's fucking there. He's right there. He does it very cleverly. He's never too far away from them upstream, but he's he's kind of on a wild goose chase because he doesn't have a clue as to where the kids are, but he knows that they were in a boat and they're kind of just going with the tide. And he's always like a bit, almost half a day behind him, isn't he? And it's got that Terminator feeling to it. 
and it's got that feeling of the rabbit, the rabbit and the hair, tortoise and the hare. Because he's completely relaxed. He's very relaxed. Eventually, I'll get you. And it's that relentless nature he has on that horse. I thought that was quite good in the boat when they do get away on the boat. And that shot very well of him coming through the bushes and then he gets into the marsh, doesn't he? And he just, they're just out of reach. But I f- again, I still felt like he could have got them. Oh, yeah. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, that lake wasn't deep enough, so he had to do it on his knees. He had to pretend to fall in right up to his knees. It wasn't deep enough. They couldn't put enough water in the studio. I think you're right. Yeah, that bit, definitely, he could have caught them. The kids make it to a safe haven accidentally, don't they? As they're kind of catching a night's sleep and they get awoken by a character called Mrs. Cooper, who kind of says, what the hell are you doing sleeping on a boat in my land? Like, get yourselves in the house. And she's almost like a foster mum, I guess, who kind of runs a bit of a farm for the local village, doesn't she? Yeah. She lost a child, isn't she? That's sort of alluded to, that she loses a child. Obviously, this film is 1955, and I'm assuming one of the reasons that you've picked it, Ben, is to kind of reiterate this point that we've been going through lately of how film borrows from film. Is the Exorcist shot, I noticed that. Yeah, Magritte, so they both have that. The Exorcist is from that is from that Magritte painting when he's under the lamppost. And that's the Exorcist. There's quite a lot of um shots and direction that's stolen. And then the outright story basis of it it kind of reminds me of many films, but can you remember when we watched Lemony Snicket? Mm. Yeah. It's the same film, isn't it? Yeah. Mad Madman chases kids for fortune. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say is that then you can say, oh, well, it's this. Oh, well, it's that. Oh, it's this. And then in 1955, there wasn't really anything that was doing this. There was certainly, there was certainly no films about a preacher who kills the mum and goes to kill the children. Yeah. And it, but it is like when you think of Lemony Snicket, like he, he, he kind of does, Olaf does that with every character he plays, isn't he? but just keeps changing it in every scenario. And it's basically this idea developed, developed, developed and developed, which is what you can do when you're making something 60 years later. And he does the same thing. Olaf does the same thing of feigning hurt or pain or, or feeling sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then he does that evil thing. And which is what Robert, and then when he's picked up by, Miss Cooper, she's the epitome of good, isn't it? So it's good versus evil. Star Wars, isn't it? Luke and Leia, and their dad was Vader. The dad was a bank robber. The dad was a, the dad was a bank robber. He killed two people in the bank, he says as well, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Big themes. So Mrs. Cooper's kind of got them under a wing for a while. You know, they're, they're, kind, of, they're kind of safe. They're kind of, you know, in the clear. And then one day, we don't know how... But um, the preacher meets one of Mrs. Cooper's elder girls on a night. Well, he sort of just follows the river, doesn't he? And it leads to the town. And he's obviously heard a rumour that she's got two new kids. Because he outright says, I hear you've got two new kids at your place. What What are their names? And as soon as he says their name, he doesn't even flinch. He just says, do they have a doll? And it's instant of, it's not about them. It's about the money. And you know how some things it kind of feels like it gets personal? This is never personal for him, is it? It's completely about the money. And whoever whoever is sacrificed and whoever is collateral damage in the way to him getting that doll, it does not matter. 
Exactly. I think that's what's so quite shocking. And actually, no matter what he does, Mrs. Cooper would do the same against him. That's that battle of good versus evil. He's got he's going for ten grand. She's well, when he good explains and on protect. his hands, he's got love and hate on his hands, hasn't he? And that's very iconic. That picture of him explaining. I think one of my uncles had love and hate tattooed on the knuckle. <laughs> Was he a preacher? <laughs> no. It used to be a big thing. It's yeah. quite a popular tattoo in Pudsey. <laughs> <laughs> love the, and hate, I love it. Hiya! There's one tattoo shop that all he does is knuckles. <laughs> but that's quite iconic. I mean, it is iconic. Yeah. And then he explains with his fist, doesn't he? The fighting of love uh, over hate, good versus evil. And then he enacts it in his own life at the very end. When he rocks up to Mrs. Cooper's kind of ranch to say, you've got my two kids, I'm their dad. Mrs. Cooper instantly believes him until she sees the reaction of the kids and listens to him speak. And she's the first adult character in the film to go, you're not their dad and you're not a preacher. He misquotes something about the Bible, doesn't he? I think he misquoted it and she cottons on, you're not a preacher. Then the line that kind of stuck with me <laughs> was when she shooed him off and he gets on his horse and he says, I'll be back when it's dark. <laughs> I yeah, like, I, know, I did think that, but I thought, what a thing to say. She's got a shotgun and he literally does say to her, I will be back when it's dark and then I'll kill you. And you watch, do you know what I mean? So he's, he's literally just being honest and blunt. And he does just announce, oh, no, I will come back. He goes to the kid and he pulls a knife and he's trying to knife the kid for the doll. And only when she gets a gun, yeah. she goes, OK, I'll go. And yeah, he said, I'll be back. And then sure enough, that famous shot of her in the front, that whistler picture of her and then him in the garden singing. Yeah, not even hiding. He's not, not even hiding. He's just there in the garden singing to her singing like a nursery rhyme so for me this was the best scene where he's singing she joins in they're singing together she realises he's stopped singing he's in the house like for me that was a really clever way of building suspense and that kind of was one of the big things that I took away from the film and as soon as it was kind of the devil was in the house she is just you know all she's going to do is protect it and she's got this 12 gauge shotgun aren't she that she's kind of guarding with her life to protect all six kids she's going to use that gun i think that's a bit i think the fact she does use it when he's there in broad daylight that decision for her to to pull the trigger and to say get the fuck out of my ranch and get away from these kids i think that is that is it because then you're like oh okay it's on yeah here we go i will kill you and you will try and kill me and you think, God, this is 1955, black and white, and they're going for the full... There's no fucks given. They're both going to kill each other. So what happens when he comes back? She rings the police, doesn't she? Does he come she, back twice? He comes back and she shoots him. She does shoot him and he runs off. Yeah, that's it. So in in the night, he's in the shed. Yeah, he goes, he, he seeks coverage, doesn't he, in the, in, the, in the barn. When he gets arrested, it's the morning. Yeah, so he he basically sneaks around the house and he, he goes around the back. Then he comes out, he appears, and quick as a flash, he just shoots him. Then he squeals like an animal, doesn't he? Yeah, little pig. <laughs> and then runs into the barn. 
And then that's when she rings the, that says you better get the state troopers. And she just sits by that barn with a gun. With the kids all, all lined up behind her. Thinking you're mint. Yeah. The police come, they arrest him. And that's when we see the first scene kind of played out again, where the son saw his dad getting arrested. He's now seeing the preacher getting arrested. And he just says the simple words of don't take the money. And gives him the money. I didn't understand that. Nor did I. You're going to have to explain this, Ben. For me, he's got confused by the pictures he's seeing. The preacher was as close to what could have been a father for him. Even though he was evil, even though he was trying to kill him for that money, he's thinking if he gets the money, he might still look after him. And did you notice how they framed it? It was exactly the same frame as his dad. Yeah. He's lost it. He's completely confused them. And he's thinking that the preacher's his father. Do you know what I think it is? I think the kid gives the money back at the end because the production company wanted to uh, make everything um, do the right thing in the end because that money's blood money. His his dad robbed it from a bank and two people died. So they have to say that the the, the family don't get the money because it's the bank's money, it's the government's money. So it has to go to no one. So that's why he just sort of throws it at the end. That's why I think. But I suppose that's the whole point is that the kid recognises all of the evil and the loss of his mum is the money. If they hadn't had the money, they wouldn't have lost their dad. They wouldn't have left some mum. The money is evil. You're evil. Yeah, You maybe. take this money yeah. and fuck off. Because it's killed my mum and it's killed my dad. Seeing as I am on a 36% battery, I think this is the perfect time Oof. for us to take a quick break and then we will come back with our ratings. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, ratings. Ben, 
it is your film, so that means that you start off. So um, I'll be really quick because you haven't got much battery. It's not a perfect film. I'm not picking it because I think it's a perfect film. I don't think it's a 10. I think there's some extraordinary things in it. 1955, I think the performances are fantastic. Some of the shots are amazing. The lighting's amazing. It was a complete flop. It didn't do well at all. And now it's been remastered and seen as one of the... One of, you know, a, a big film in the history of cinema. So exactly like A Wonderful Life. Yeah, exactly like that. Um, it's not by, by no means is it perfect. I don't think the kids are very good at times. They're a bit all over the place. Some of the stunts look a bit cack. But the fact that in 1955, you have a preacher killing people, searching for this money is kind of really out there. I think it was probably a bit too much out there for audiences. So I think I'll just go eight. Shepherd. Yeah, I agree with Ben. I think there's, I think the stories. It's that's the powerful thing, isn't it? And we've seen Hollywood um, repeat the same story time and time again, and it's a good story. Uh, I think the director's done a good job, to be fair, like the lighting, everything. And I think where I sort of struggle with the film is the acting. I think the actors aren't that great and is that not a sign of 1955 it might be i think i get the premise and you said ben that i think this director was his background theater charles lawton no he didn't he was a huge hollywood actor and had done theater right yeah so he he would mostly directed i think when he directed directed theater but he was a huge actor i mean enormous of his time i think what's weird is it's a film with modern themes Mm. that you'd struggle to get with now. You'd struggle to write a film where you go, it's a preacher who kills a mum and goes goes to kill children. You'd struggle to get the money to make that. But some of the acting... It's just a bit wooden. It's a yes, bit, it's, it's, it's a bit 1955, isn't it? It is. And I, I, I struggle when they're all talking to themselves and they're all talking to God. Well, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like a vehicle that the directors used or that the writers used to get the story across. The character has to just tell the audience the story, and they use that vehicle where they're speaking to God. It almost could have been narrated by either the kid as an adult or the dad of that you know the dad that got hung. Well, so what was the? Uh, it's a bit like you do. What was the um, film we did with River Phoenix? Um, Stand by me. That's Narrated. exactly what I was thinking in terms of the narration. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. But then you look at the level of the acting in those kids and it's extraordinary. So I think Hollywood has learned its lesson and gone, it was a good story, but the actors weren't great. We can do it again. So for this, I'm going to go sloppy six. Whoa, sloppy. Oof, sloppy. That's very sloppy. It's not even like... You built it up and went sloppy six. It pissed Oof. me off, the act, cause I thought it was a brilliant story oh, and it could have been more we haven't got time the fucking laptop's running out i just think it could be a classic and it isn't and it isn't because i think the actors let it down similar to what jack said in terms of the acting but you you do get past that or at least i got past that and kind of got involved with the story but you know the point i think the reason ben has picked this film one of them the points is to prove that film takes from film and the fact that i got that i was quite happy with and quite proud of and then i kind of went through the notion of similar to what you said jack of okay well i have seen this film done better which is a weird position to be in but then appreciating the fact that 
this was the first and the script really is quite out there um and there were you know that there was aspects that i liked and it's all it's all right and it? it's it's enjoyable it's um, all right. i can't i can't go as low as jack um because i did get i did get more out of it i'm gonna go 6.8 <laughs> it's not far off, Jack. You've had you've you've added the service service charge, and you've added the little tip. Now with films, we get that idea almost injected into with steroids, don't we? We get that simple premise with so many more layers on top of it. Whereas that story, yes, it is a good story, but it is so simple. It's like a play. That is what it is, isn't it? You know, it's got a defined start, middle and end. And I think for me as a viewer of a film, I just need more in, I need more substance to entertain me now. And that's probably because I've been spoiled with Hollywood crap growing up. What you need, I suppose, I suppose the argument comes down to is, can you fill in the blanks or do you need the blanks filled in for you? And that film, you have to fill in some of the blanks. That film, you have to pass by certain things. And then they've made the cake. They've made the cake a few times and you get to 2022 and they know exactly what the cake is. You know, it's like Grease to to High School Musical. They know exactly the bits that they liked or whatever. And I get that. I completely get that. It's not. It's, look, it's... It's really, really old and really groundbreaking. But I don't sit there and go, oh, my God, even that's amazing. Some of it I was like, yeah, that's a bit cack. But I loved I loved that line. I will come back when it's dark and I will kill you. <laughs> but I mean, Robert Mitchum said it's his favourite film. He thinks it's his best performance. Uh, he wanted to get that job. Not many other people wanted to touch it. I mean, it's a big thing in 55. He's a child killer. He's trying to be a child killer. Um, so I suppose it's themes. That's what I'm saying. It's thematic, isn't it? 20.8 out of 30. Before we find out what Jack has picked for us all to watch next week, let's hope it's better than Blair Witch. Why? Hey, don't <laughs> knock it. Don't knock it. What have your picks been, actually? So Jack's picked for us what? Blair Witch. Home Alone. Home Alone. Godfather 2. Big Mix. Big mix, big mix. It's like, it's like now that's what we call film 99. <laughs> but before we find out what is next, Jack? The gem. Jack's yes. hidden gem of the week. Getting better. It's a show. The gem this week, um, it's available on the iPlayer. Ooh. Getting into ET territory there. Yeah, it's available. It's free on the iPlayer. And it's a doc. It's about an hour 40. I think Ben put me onto this. It's old now. It's basically... <laughs> I only do really old film. It's 1955. <laughs> it's black and white. It's the Isle of Man TT race racing. Oh, yes. Very good. Very good doc. I've seen this. It's called Closer to the Edge. TT racing in the Isle of Man. They ride bikes. They basically close off the Isle of Man for like a weekend or for like a week, don't they? And the bikes go, uh, do a massive race across across the Isle of Man, and it's it's basically a death trap, and it covers it all on the dock. People die, people get injured. It's fascinating. It's a bike 
going along a country road yeah. with lampposts and yeah. walls and houses and curbs. Yeah. And there's there's one sort of outer section. They go through a town, don't they? And there's one outer section where they go along the countryside and they absolutely floor it. And you get in, in bike footage. So yeah, it's extraordinary, Doc. Yeah. I've been and watched it. My dad used to marshal on it. Yeah, going over the mountain. He used to do used to do the same corner where the Dunlop, where the Joey Dunlop Museum was. Oh. He used to do the corner just there. But um, if you ask me and Hannah, my sister, about the Isle of Man, we, we won't entertain that conversation. Because for years, when everyone at school was going on fancy holidays, we used to camp. Can I just say, you don't have to have an interest in motorbike racing to watch this dock and enjoy it. Because I haven't basically got an interest in motorbike I racing. I think it's boring. And it's, 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 it's all about basically the people that do it and how it affects their life. Watch it, it's really good. So that's the gem and it is available on the iPlayer. So now, the bigger moment, much bigger than Jackson and Jem, obviously, no one really cares about that. What are we watching next week on next week's episode, Jack? Well, I was thinking about this, and I've gone subtitles this Ooh, week. Ooh, hello. You've both seen it, because I both put you onto this. Ah, one. it's the Norwegian one. It is. Good, because I was going to watch it. This is good, this, because I wanted to watch it the other day. Headhunters? Headhunters. Head, headhunters, yeah. Ah, Joe Nesbo. Joe Nesbo. It's Joe yeah, Nesbo, Norwegian writer, and it's called Headhunters. That's what we're watching next week. I think you're picking, I think you're picking picks where you know you're going to get a big rating. I'm glad because I wanted to watch it again. Because obviously I, I must have watched that when I lived with you, so a long, long time ago. And obviously I have changed the way that I watch films now, so it'll be interesting to see what I think. Yeah, it's shit, shit one. <laughs> but not a lot of people know about it. Like whenever I mention it to people, they go, oh, I've never heard of that. But when they do watch it and they go, oh, it's such a good film. So yeah, Headhunters. So next week we're watching Headhunters. If you want to keep in touch with us on Sofa Cinema Club, you can do. It's really easy because we are on Twitter. We're on Instagram, at Sofa Cinema Club. You can find us on TikTok as well if you're down with the kids. And if you want extra Sofa Cinema Club, all you've got to do is go over to www.patreon forward slash Sofa Cinema Club for extra Sofa Cinema Club content. And on our Patreon, this is where you will find our monthly bonus episodes. And you will find ad-free episodes of Sofa Cinema Club plus loads more fun things including being added on to our instagram close friends which jack loves absolutely love it we've got some new people (laughs) and we've got some new people who have joined us on patreon this week and last week well they've they've they have been joining our cinema business but jack has pointed out that jack's film company has more jobs so ben i'm ditching you at the local Cine world. I'm going to Jack Shepard Productions. Fuck you. I'm staying at the cinema no matter how bad it gets. I'm staying at the cinema. <laughs> well, I'm going to start us off with our newest member, but I've got a question to ask on this because we have got in the cast, Jack, in, of whatever we're making, we've got Holly and James Bond. Oh, really? But the interesting thing here is obviously one, he's called James Bond, but two, 
That's two people sharing a membership. What what do we think about that? Oh, what? Like an, it's like a Netflix yeah. situation. Oh. What are you using, my brother's Netflix? Imagine your name's James Bond. Is that mint or not mint? Is that good? The same gag every time, innit? And your name? Bond. Oh. James Bond. No, no, mate. Come on. And your name? James Bond. Who is joining Holly and James Bond, Ben? Uh, oh, this is hard now because I'm at the cinema, isn't it? Handing out the 3D glasses, Yvonne Hall. <laughs> Yvonne Hall. <laughs> I've got, in accounts, Carrie Owen. In accounts? accounts. <laughs> Fucking hell. It is. Someone, listen, someone's got to do the finances. I'll tell you what, so, I'm so sorry, Carrie. You poor, that's, that's absolutely cash. She was hoping for something big there. No, that's stunt it. Mat, stunt driver. That's all she's getting. Head of special effects. Yvonne Hall. She's just had a fucking job, Yvonne, handing out the specs. <laughs> oh, fuck's it. Why, why don't you go down the list in order? It'd be a, it'd be a lot easier if you went down. Because I know Yvonne. Order. I know Yvonne. No, what's easier is you don't say the name I've just said two minutes before. That's what's easier. Head of special effects, Karen Lee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, putting up the names of the films on the top of the uh, <laughs> top of the cinema is Riri. <laughs> Brilliant job, that. Brilliant job. Um, third assistant director Tom Smith. Ooh, third AD. Third AD. And finally, last but not least, Jack's assistant at his film production company. Kayla Hales. Oh, yeah, great. Oh, there you go. Good jobs. Can I just say as well, Ian Watt, who's a Patreon member, last week we gave him the job title as catering manager. Well, you gave him the job title. He says yeah. Ben, actually. I think says, I did. I think I was. I think I gave Ian a shit job, and then I said, actually, I'm going to change it. He's catering manager. So I got this message from him saying... So I've just had a job title from Ben as catering manager. As I'm a catering equipment sales rep now, (laughs) I need a new position in your film studios, please. Director or stunt driver. I mean, how do we do it? What a fucking act that is. Mystic Meg. Mystic Meg. I'm getting, I'm getting, hold on. Catering. Ian, I'm getting Pots and pans, pots and pans. (laughs) Bang on, he will guess your job. Yeah. Catering equipment sales rep. That's what he does. That's what he actually fucking does. So I've said, bollocks, Ian, you're staying in catering. Deal with it. <laughs> Ian, I love that. I, I love absolutely it. love that. Ian, we've got no one else who can do it as well as you. I'm sorry. You're staying in catering. Yeah. If you want a job on Sofa Cinema Club, all you've got to do is join us on Patreon. And to do so, you've just got to head to www.patreon forward slash Sofa Cinema Club. We've got two tiers on there. And the most expensive tier is still cheaper than a large popcorn at the cinema. We're back here on Monday, hopefully, if my battery life lasts, for Sofa Cinema Club Extraterrestrial, where we'll be telling you a film to watch on terrestrial TV this week. And then on Thursday, we're back where we're watching the Norwegian subtitled classic of Headhunters. Good night, God bless. Good night. Stop. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.